Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called Having a Grand Time. For seniors who are adjusting to retirement and aging, May this be helpful to you, and may it also give you truth to share with those you seek to encourage. And the title is, as you see from there, it's the Patriarchal Period. Now, doesn't that sound like a cliffhanger? So the patriarchs. The patriarchs, and normally we think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Patriarchal Period is normally that time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the 12 tribes of Jacob, etc., but uh, I would like to use that in a metaphorical way this time, and we will look at one of the patriarchs. Interestingly enough, usually when you say the term patriarch, everybody thinks male. The origin of the word patriarch has nothing to do with gender. It comes from patria, which means family, and arco, which means to rule. So it means those that are the head of the family, so men and women. How many people in here have one or both of your parents still living? That is what tells you that you are now a patriarch. <laughs> so I'm glad I could come and let you know that today. It's you're the last one standing in terms of your family line, and it's a very significant thing to steward uh, that period of time. So today we want to talk about vision and fruitfulness in your fourth quarter. Now, there are different quarters in life, just like there are in a football game. Football game, you think your life went by fast. Well, football game goes by real fast. The first part is just you as a, as a person. You, you're born and you go, go to school. You learn how to feed yourself. i got four grandkids living with us right now, age six, four, three, almost, and uh, almost one. So we're, we're in the person part of their lives. <laughs> Then as, as you get, get older, you get into people, friendships, uh, dating, marriage, uh, um, community, church. So that's kind of second quarter. Third quarter is in terms of your influence on, on others. So this is more community. And then this next one is it, it could be your children. It could be you're leading things, you're, you're visiting people, you're ministering. So, but it's where you're kind of passing things on. And you have, in this period, initially, it's more of a, it is a position. I mean, it might be a position at work where you're leading a team. It may be a mother at home with four or five kids, etc. And then finally, there's, there's a period of time that this is what we're calling the patriarchal period, where it's more of a time of influence, rather than role. It's not so much the hat you're wearing, but the presence that you bring as the, as in a sense, the final generation or the oldest generation. So that's sort of that senior time, but we'll just call that being a patriarch. So we want to kind of study that right now, because what can happen in, the, in this period of time is, in the beginning time, uh, when, when you're just a, you know, one to 20, that's characterized by a fair amount of anxiety. Why? You think, well, 
Am I going to succeed? Am I going to make it? Will I find somebody who wants to be my friend? Will I find, will I be, be married? If we're married, will we have kids? Will I be able to make a living? The, uh, they watch too much news, so they think either someone's going to murder me or won't get a job or something. But there are all these fears. And so when you're talking to younger people, you need to deal with, with all those things. There's a full set of separate things that happen here in the patriarchal period. Now, they're good or bad. It just comes with that period of time. So in the patriarchal period, you tend to be, there's so much that's already happened, you're, you're dragging quite a past behind you. And some of those things are good things, but they're sort of slipping out of your grasp, or you, so you're feeling, um, it's good that it's good, but it's bad that it's like it's not as good now as it was, uh, whether it's your, your body or having uh, activity around the home and uh, it could be that there's some things that uh, you tremendously regret, other things that you tremendously miss, people that you miss that you're no longer either geographically or else they've passed away or whatever. So the, the patriarchal period is quite affected by its past. Whereas the, when a, in the per, first 20 years, a person's so affected by the unknown future. So the, the point of this is you want to focus on, in each period of time, what is your greatest opportunity to serve and make a contribution. So we want to look at a passage of Scripture in Genesis 48. Genesis 48, and this will be looking at the life of, uh, uh, a moment in the life of, of Jacob. At this point, Jacob is on the elderly side, and it says, it, Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So who was Joseph's father? Jacob, right. And what was Jacob's other name? Israel. Okay, so we had two names. So, so here we've got Jacob, coat of many colors, gone to Egypt, you know, ruler of Egypt at this point, or co-ruler. And he's got these, these sons, and he hears that his dad's sick. So, when it was told to Jacob, behold, your, your son Joseph has come to you, so they tell Jacob his son's here. It says, Israel collected his strength and he sat up in bed. Now, there's sometimes that you've just got to pull yourself together and do what you got to do. I mean, you don't feel like getting up. You don't feel like doing stuff. But uh, because there's, there's something in you that says, I just can't sit around and feel sorry for myself. I need, to, I need to do what I can do. So here, Jacob says, okay, I don't feel like getting up, but we're going to get up. And Jacob said to Joseph, in other words, the father said to the son, God Almighty appeared to me at Luce in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples, and will give you this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. Now, I don't know if he, that's the first thing he said when Joseph walked in. You know, it's like sometimes people say things and you think, did you just have that ready or something? I mean, that, that was really good. I, I saw a, a quite elderly lady that I, actually I thought, it, I thought she'd passed away at, at, being overseas. You know, we, were, we had these long periods of time where we weren't around. And I was there at Independent Presbyterian Church in Savannah, Georgia, 20 years ago. And I see her getting out of the car with a walker, and apparently she'd had a hip thing. And, and uh, I go up to her, and, and I wasn't sure she'd remember me. And I says, hi, hi, Rose, how are you doing? She says, Henry. How are you doing? Rejoicing? The Lord is promising to do great things, and He is bringing it to pass. And I thought, where do they make people like you? I mean, that's just... I don't even know what to do with that. Uh, that was wonderful. Thank you. I've never forgotten it. I mean, she, by two sentences, she had an impact that's lasted on me 25 years. 
uh, to be so full of God and what he's thinking and doing and what he's promised. God Almighty appeared to me at Luz. He's giving testimony to the reality of God. And Joseph said to his father, this is verse 9 now, he's got his, uh, his two, two of his sons there, and this is Ephraim and Manasseh. So there were the 12 sons, and Joseph was one of the 12 sons, remember that? And then he had two sons, so that's who these are. He says, these are my, my sons whom God has given me. So, he, so Jacob said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. So he kissed them, embraced them, and then he speaks a blessing over them. So to me, this is a picture of what God wants to do through our lives as we're now the senior generation. Like I said, no one in here held up their hands as far as their parents being still on the earth. So it, it's us. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you ever felt like, well, gee, the, you know, they were the greatest generation and now they're, everyone's stuck with me. But I mean, it's like, this is, this is what we have to steward. And even your sense of inadequacy, it's a blessing. They don't need Superman and Superwoman. They just need you to be filled with God and to, uh, to do your part, to bear witness. So I want to talk to you about what, when we say to be a patriarch, to live as a patriarch, let's talk about what are the things that particularly is a, an, a unique opportunity in this season of life. Okay? What do you do as a patriarch? First thing, you, you provide wisdom. You may not know much, but you certainly know a couple of things are a really bad idea because you did them, you know. <laughs> uh, but to realize that there are certain things that you have that you know that you've become convinced of that can be a blessing to the next generations. And maybe they won't listen now, but maybe in a while they would listen. So what do you need to do with that? I'm going to suggest two things. One thing, if you have never done it, hurry up and do it, and that is make an audio recording. Now, I'm not going to belabor each of these things, and if you have any more questions, I can talk to you. But to make an audio recording of at least an hour where you begin to answer the questions, where were you born, what were your parents like, uh, what were your early years like, who were some of your friends, who were your favorite teachers, what was your relationship like with your siblings, what were your hopes and dreams and fears, Tell them about going to school, and then ask the question, and if I could only tell you a couple of things about life, this is what I'd like you to know. Now, I did that with my father in 1986, in 1985. He died the next year of cancer. And uh, about six years later, we were washing the dishes in Argentina. I thought, we ought to put them with the kids trying to keep the morale up, you know. And uh, so we put on this, uh, I, I thought, we'll, we'll put on a cassette. Remember those? And, uh, and I thought, you know, we've never listened to this cassette of my dad. We put it on, and it was just so moving to hear his voice. And so I made copies and mailed it to my brother and sister. And I heard later from my brother, he said, I carried it around the glove compartment for six months before I had the courage to put it in the, uh, the player. <laughs> he said it moved him so much. Your voice needs to be recorded about your life. It's a simple thing, but you can do it. Don't downplay what that might mean to somebody someday. Make a recording. Second, journal your life lessons. You may not think you have a whole huge bag of pearls of wisdom. But there are things that you know and you have learned that have been special to you 
And if you're still able, write some stuff down. It may be writing letters. What one person I know did, she would buy a Bible each year and go through and mark it and make notes and then give it to one of her grandkids. And she's done this with every one of her grandchildren. So don't, you don't have to copy anybody else, but find some way to capture some of the things that God has taught you. Providing wisdom. Second, bearing witness. And bearing witness is what, what um, Jacob did there. He says, the God of glory appeared to me in the land of Luz. There are certain things that have been special to you in your journey with God. It might be something you learned. It might be something you experienced. It might be something you were grateful for. It might be an answer to prayer. You know, in the Old Testament, the worship of God didn't center, wasn't like the other religions. The other religions, would, they would build something, an image that looked something like what they thought God was like. So it might be a bird or a cat or, you know, a bull or something like that. And God says, I don't want you to do that. So what did they have in their Holy of Holies? If they didn't have a statue, what was in there? In the holy, most holy place. They had a box. A box. You know, just like you got in your attic. They had a box. And it was covered with gold. It was a nice box. You know. But the point of the box wasn't the box. It was what was in the box. Now, what was in the box? Okay. They had the manna that was bred from heaven. They had the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone. And what was the other one? Aaron step. Oh, you guys are good. Man, look at this. These patriarchs are well informed. And so they had the staff that had budded. And God's provision, God's word to them, and God's anointing of leadership for the nation of Israel. But in the box they had the items that reminded them that God is real. And there are things that God has done in your life and said to you and shown you that those are your precious things in your life and in your history that remind you that God is wonderful and that he's real. And you ought to have written that down and, and try to pass that on. People in every generation struggle to believe, but is it real? Is God real? Wendy had a time when she was a young Christian and wondering, is God real or not? Is he really there? And she prayed, God, please show me. I don't want to commit my whole life to you and then find out you're not there. And that night she had a dream or a vision and she heard God say three times, I am, I am, I am. Now that's a very precious thing. Now I haven't had anything like that. He, God hadn't spoken to me like that. But I have other things. I have certain answers to prayer. You, everybody has their own things. But to think about what is it that God has done for me that I would like to have on a piece of paper and when one of my grandkids comes or, or, or whoever God might give you, you can, let me tell you some of the things God's done in my life. Bearing witness. Third, presence and attention. One of the things that characterizes the patriarchal period is more than any other time in your life since you were three years old, you have time. In fact, you got sometimes so much time it can be a little boring. You know, what, what are you going to do with that time? But one of the things that that, that means when, when you do have more time, and you may not yet, but maybe you will. I mean, it's, I'm not saying everybody's got time, but, but 
this is the time to be consciously more available. There's something that you bring as a patriarch that's not like a, some official role, like you're the captain or the lieutenant or, you know, the boss or anything. You're just the patriarch. You don't really have a job, you know? It's like, but what that means is one of the primary things that you bring is presence. You're able to be in places and observe things that everybody else is too busy to observe. You notice stuff. You're sitting there and you say, well, they're not getting along, and this is that. <laughs> you see these things, and you're thinking, boy, someone ought to tell them this and that and the other. But you have an ability now to bring presence like you never have before. That's why you want to be filled with Christ. Because if you're, if you're not really walking in the Spirit, you can, with that presence, be a critical person. You can become kind of negative, because there are a lot of negative things in the world, frankly. But when you're filled with God you bring his spirit with you, bringing that presence. Fourth, prayer. Of all times in life, this, this should be the strongest time to pray. But frankly, prayer is a challenge. You've got to focus on that th thing. It doesn't just happen easily. That was the main thing I was looking for when we moved to our house. I didn't want a big yard. Well, that, that crashed and burned. We were in Spring Valley, and every single lot there is way too big for somebody my age to keep up. But anyway, <laughs> but I was also wanting, Lord, I would like to have a place inside to pray and a place outside to pray. Just something that is one more encouragement to me to spend time with God. So I found, I was able to enclose a spot in the garage. And I got a nice little, I got a heater and an air conditioner out there and a chair and a table. And that is only to use to go out to pray in the mornings. But then I also have some azalea bushes over in this too big yard, and there was sort of a spot behind it. And so I cleared it out, and I put some pavement down there. So it, uh, on days when it's really nice, I could go out there to walk and pray. But, but find ways to emphasize prayer. Do you have a prayer list? Try something new in prayer. Do you pray uh, with music? Maybe that would help. But this is a gift that you have to bring in this period of time, if you'll choose to. Prayer is where, by faith, you, God has given us the command and the privilege of reaching up to heaven by faith and pulling heaven down to the earth. Prayer is where you water the promises and ancient oaths of God and they germinate in blessing. So never underestimate the power of believing prayer. When prayers go up, Praises come down. Oh, good. When prayers go up, praises come down. That's wonderful. Now, the fifth one is an interesting one. I'll just put the word gospel, but let me explain it. One of the seeming disadvantages, and yet actually part of our testimony, is that because our life eventually gets to where we lose almost all of our abilities to contribute and do things, we finally get to the place where if salvation was by works, we'd be sunk because we can't do them anymore. You used to go and help people. We can't do that anymore. There are all these different things. And so one of the last blessings and usefulness of our life is to demonstrate that even when I can't do anything, it's okay because I'm saved by grace. And so that's where you really are just leaning in the arms of Jesus, and it's fine. And you're, you're actually living out, you're incarnating the gospel of Christ. 
that salvation is not by works, but just by grace. You're a living testimony of the gospel of Jesus. So don't let it be discouraging to you when at some point uh, all of us will not be able to do a blooming thing other than maybe others help us because that also is part of our story and part of our testimony. But finally, I'll talk to you about is this last one, and that is bringing blessing. If I could only mention one thing from the patriarchal period that you would want to focus on, it's passing on the blessing. There is a blessing that comes through the patriarch to the family line. It says that Jacob hugged his grandchildren and he kissed them and he blessed them. And to realize that you have the authority and the power as the head of your family to pray and speak blessing over your descendants, your children, your grandchildren, the children of your friends, this idea that God is real. And, and you know, when they pray blessing, it, it's what the world, since they don't know there's a God, they call luck or good fortune, if things just happen to work out. You know, I mean, there's so many things in life, it could have gone that way or that way. And some of you today, just because of, in a sense, fluke, you happen to be alive. You might not have been alive. Whether it was a sickness, or car accident, or a war incident, and others in the same situation were killed, and here you are. Was that luck? That was the blessing of God. That was the blessing of God. And so when you pray blessing on your children, it's not just kind of a, a big sort of a cloud of pink goo that comes on to somebody, sort of blessing, you know, it's kind of... It's the favor of Almighty God. It's the favor of God. You're, you're praying that over them. And the question is, do you believe? You've got to believe God is with you, not because you're some great thing or you know so much or you've all done everything right. No, because he's a God of grace. And the fact that you're sitting here, the fact that you're believing in Christ, even the fact that you maybe at times don't even feel all that good about yourself, all those are indications that the, the hand of God is on your life. In fact, the people that feel great about themselves, they may not be there yet. <laughs> As the closer God gets, the worse you feel about yourself. But the more you're impressed with how wonderful he is. And that makes you a channel of blessing. To pray over that child. The, the dew of heaven. That God would open up the way before you. That he would put a door before you that no man can shut. That God's angels would watch over you. That he would make you fruitful and multiply. And he would touch the nations through your life with the gospel of Jesus. But to pray blessing to pray blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, look at all this. Wisdom, bearing, bearing witness, that arc of the testimony of the reality of God in your life, bringing presence, growing in prayer, living out the gospel, even when you can't do anything, that you're declaring the gospel, that salvation is not by works, and finally passing on blessing that you're more conscious of that, more aware of that. Now, not in every situation will people uh, want it, invite it, allow it. It's okay. You do what you can. 
But when we were visiting our, our kids, we said, well, tonight before we leave, you know, uh, we'd just like to have, pray a blessing over each one of the children and had each one take turns, come up, stand before us, and put our hands on their head and pray for them. And they were like five and three, you know. Anyway, it's not always an orderly thing, but we, we, do, <laughs> we do what we can. Now, when you think about this patriarchal period, there are certain things that can hinder your, the blessing that you can bring in that period of time. So we just want to go over that real quickly. I don't want to belabor it. But what are the things that, that trip you up in being a great patriarch? One is self-pity. All of us want to have a happy, pain-free life, and we're sort of bummed when it doesn't, it's not working for us at the moment. Um, but we've got to fight against that spirit of self-pity, that poor me. You know, it's almost like it's a... It's a, like the flu, the Christian flu, is getting self-pity. And so to be more sensitive, to identify, whoop, that's that poor me thing, I'm fine. God is with me. I have everlasting life. You know, the devil just wants to get you thinking, oh, dear, you know, I'm just a mess and everything's bad and it's going to get worse and, you know, that Eeyore syndrome but to reject that self-pity. Second, worrying, worrying about dying. The fact is, Jesus said, he who lives and believes in me will never die. Maybe we even ought to change our terminology. It says, that's other people that are going to die. You know, I'm going I'm to go through a little dip in the road and uh, head into heaven. So I'm not worried about that. Third, fleshly living. You can be overly focused on your own comfort and convenience. It says, no, my life is about Jesus Christ. Maybe uh, occupation-wise, I retired, uh, but spiritually, I am on the Lord's work rolls from now into eternity. So I, I'll do what, what I can with what I have, but I don't want to give an opportunity for the flesh, whatever that means. Each person has their own battles with what the Bible calls the flesh. It's, uh, you know, what does your your body and soul want for itself to enjoy life. And it's fine to enjoy life. You just don't want that to be your focus. You want to be ready to serve God however he calls you to. Fourth thing that can hinder us is clinging to the past. You know, glance at the past, but live in the present. This is the day the Lord has made. Yeah, but yesterday, this is the day the Lord has made. Don't let your yesterdays rob you of your todays. Focus on this present. And fifth, uh, it can hinder us by being demanding of others. Well, you, you don't come to visit me or this or that or the other. You want to be set free from, from your own demanding nature. It says, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm, I'm here for others. So what will help you? The th first is just gratitude. You've got to get stronger. I need to get stronger in gratitude. Thank you for my thumb, my forefinger, my middle finger, my ring finger, my little finger. I've got a whole other set on the other hand. They still all work. My toes, my feet, my spleen, my stomach, my brain, my body, my blood, my skin, my hair. Thank you, God. Thank you for my eyes, my ears, for all my five senses. Thank you. you just, just walk into your closet and try, just one time, try to thank him for everything that's in your closet. Every article of clothing, every coat hanger, every belt, buckle, button. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We sit on a mountain of gifts. 
and we focus on one thing we don't have. And God says, just be overflowing with gratitude. Overflowing with gratitude. Second, generosity will help. Think of how can I give? How can I give? How can I be a blessing? Third, intimacy with God. Find out how to press further into God. God longs for us to long for Him. To get to know Him. To seek His face. To try to hear His voice. You can actually, the Bible says you can actually be filled up to the fullness of God. What does that even mean? But let's try to find out. we still got some time. Fourth, surrender to the will of God. Whatever God has chosen to allow, and by prayer, he does not seek, seem to want to change. I mean, there's certain things that, yeah, there was this thing, and so you pray and get everybody to pray, and, and it got worse, you know. <laughs> Whatever you have prayed about, but God seems to think that's how he wants it to be, say, it's okay, Lord. I'm your penny. You can spend me any way you want. You gave your life for me. It's all right. I know you would change it if it was for the best. If you'd seek not to change it for right now, it's okay. I'm trusting in you. But there's a tremendous power in surrendering to the will of God and being okay. Instead of fighting with God and being mad at him and sort of going on strike because he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, you know. I says, no, Lord, you are God. All I deserve today was to be in hell. I'm so glad I'm not. And I'm also on the way to heaven, so I'm not sure what I was so upset about. Surrender to the will of God. And then focusing on others' troubles rather than your own. There are many troubles in the world. But it helps you to bear your troubles when you care more about the troubles of others and do what you can to help them. I remember my mother who was, she was widowed, gosh, 35 years ago. And uh, one of the things that's helped her over the last 35 years is she's always thinking about what to do for other people. I remember she had one friend who was not quite right in her mind, and so she would, but she would take her out one time. After the movie, the, her friend said, uh, well, can I, can I treat you to supper? <laughs> she said, sure. So that she goes to her trunk of her car and opens it up and gets out a, a can of beans and a can opener and a spoon. And they're sitting there in the parking lot eating beans out of a can. You know, it was just, my mother has had some interesting friends. And, uh, but just that sweetness to think about, you know, being with somebody that nobody else wants to be with. Nobody else wants to be with. One last thought, and then we'll finish. I think as far as, you know, you can't not think about eventually dying just because uh, it will eventually happen. And, and more and more we know people that already have passed away. So the thought will come up. But you can shepherd your own heart. And I think one of the, my goals is, is to cultivate an ambivalence to death. It's like it's fine either way. It's okay. Paul talks about that. He says, actually, I'm sort of torn. He says, I could, I could depart, which is his term for, for die. I could depart and be with God. He says, well, that would be absolutely fantastic. He says, but if I stick around, there are still a number of things I can do and really be helpful with. So I'm sort of torn. 
But he presents it like I'm sort of torn between the steak and the lobster. I mean, it's like I, I really like them both, but uh, I can't eat them both at the same time. So, uh, and uh, so to have that ambivalence like, Lord, when it's time to die, that's fine. And if you need me to stick around longer, that's fine as well. I don't, I don't really care. I'm surrendered to your will. I'm your penny. You can spend me any way you want. It's all fine. A little poem says, What can these anxious cares avail thee, these never-ceasing moans and sighs? What can it help if thou bewail thee over each dark moment as it flies? Our cross and trials do but press the heavier for our bitterness. We can make a bad situation worse by letting it bother us more than it should. And as we say, Lord, it's okay. It's all right. And this is, this is inconvenient, but compared to what Christ did for me, it's like, sorry, I didn't mean to bother you. My great-grandfather was dying and knew his time was near, and somebody asked him if he was afraid. And his response was, no, I've looked forward to this day my whole life. I have looked forward to this day my whole life. So I just want to have a prayer of blessing over your life. I did put the, the poem at the end. I won't read it all, but it's such a beautiful, uh, I don't know if it's a hymn, but it's at least a poem. But how tedious and tasteless the hours when Jesus no longer I see. Sweet prospects, sweet birds, and sweet flowers have all lost their sweetness to me. The midsummer sun shines but dim. The fields strive in vain to look gay. But when I am happy in him... December is as pleasant as May. And so may God help you to kindle afresh the fire on the altar of your heart and realize the unique moment he's giving you to be a blessing to so many. Your life is so significant, and we need to steward it well. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the patriarchs that uh, their names still gleam and glow in our minds uh, 3,000, 4,000 years later because of the significance of what you did in them, spoke to them, did through them, and have done in the generations afterwards. And I pray for each of us, Lord, we're all sort of in the same boat with our parents having passed that we are that generation now. Help us, Lord, to take this seriously, to steward it well. Help us to bring wisdom, witness, presence, prayer, uh, to demonstrate the gospel. And most of all, Lord, to bring blessing. Blessing to our children, blessing to our grandchildren. Fill us up with you, Lord, and use us to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.